Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Pow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuckinistas? What the fucktarians? What the fuck, you pie Wall Streeters? What the fuck, Amalans? All right, all right. This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. A couple of things before I get going. Uh, Neptune Theater, Seattle, November 25th, right? Yeah, day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. Come see me on Black Friday. Uh, tickets are still available for that, so, uh, so do that. Also, if you don't have my CD, please do that, would you? It's called This Has to Be Funny. You can get it on iTunes. I don't know if you know that. I am uh, overwhelmed and anxious and uh, full of panic. Surprise. I know a lot of you think like, hey, things are going well. Yeah, they are. Things are going all right. But that just means I have more things to do. And that means more things that aren't going to get done and more things that I can worry about getting done. That's just the way I roll. Hold on. Maybe I shouldn't be drinking two pots of this a day. Pow. Look out. I just did it. Maybe I'll switch it to that. Justcoffee.coop, available at WTFpod.com. Do that, if you will. I don't know how the hell people get things done. I know that once you start to do them, everything's okay. Uh, you know, I'm working on my book. I'm writing my book. I'm doing that every day. I just got that Dragon software from my computer where I can talk to my computer and it writes things down. Man, that is one step away from being too close to your computer. I think it's only a matter of time before we can... Uh, Share their share our problems with them. Maybe talk to them about what's going on, because it's certainly certainly getting sort of difficult to talk to some people in the world. I am so fucking sick of people that preach positivity. It's making me nauseous, nauseous. Adam Scott is on the show today. Uh, he's a very uh, nice guy. I believe a thoughtful guy. We'll talk to him in just a minute. But all you people that are, you think you're positive. You know, hey, man, Marin's too negative. That guy's too negative. Yeah? Well, let me tell you something. Negativity and positivity are almost exactly the same in most cases. They're coping mechanisms. Neither one imply that you're a better person or a more decent person. The positive people, the thing that actually, the people that actually preach this idea of positivity. Hey, man, I'm positive. I'm, I'm not negative. They're doing the exact same thing. Positivity implies intolerance 90% of the time. That means you're just like, hey, get the fuck out of my space, man. You're negative. Positivity, look, I know negativity can be draining. I know negativity can be bottomless and there's not a lot you can do. And I know that positivity can be bullying and intolerant and, and arrogant in its way because you think you're a better person because I'm just doing everything I can to be positive, which means excluding negativity from my life. Where's the empathy there? Where's the caring? There's no caring. You're not putting better things out into the world. You're just coping in a different way and being a little bit more easy to be around. But you're no better. It doesn't make you a decent person to be positive. It's just a different type of denial to actually get to the core of the humility of who you are man that's a whole different thing i don't know why i'm worked up about it because probably somebody said that uh, i was too negative you think that could be it 
I don't think I'm negative. I don't think, uh, you know, sometimes I'm positive, but I just try to be as present as possible and help people when I can. And sometimes I get a little stressed out. It was weird. I was at this coffee shop the other day and I, I don't have any, I'm not equipped to do a service industry job. If that happens, if I have to do that, if I have to become a barista again or attempt waitering, it's, I just, I, my hat's off to you. If you can do that and keep your shit together only because I remember, like I go to a, a coffee shop and, and sometimes it takes a really long time to get my coffee and I get aggravated and this is a mundane problem. But then recently, this is this process that I do in order to find empathy in myself as I try to go back in the history of me to put myself in a similar situation as the person I'm getting aggravated with so I can at least understand you know, where they're at. And I can do that. I have, to, I have to train myself to do it. I have to do it on purpose. I'm a little, uh, sometimes I'm a bit empathy deficient. I can feel people. I get a sense of what's going on, but I don't always put myself in their shoes. So I actively try to do that. And I'm watching this guy make coffee. And then I remember when I was making coffee, when I never wanted to make coffee, nobody wants to do that for a living. You do it to get by. You do it because you need a job. And when I was in the service industry of any kind, when I was a barista back in the pre-Starbucks universe, the coffee connection, I mean, from, from the second I got to work and made my first coffee, I, the first customer would come in and I'd make him his coffee and I'd see another guy walk in for a coffee. And before he even got to the counter, I'm thinking, oh, fuck, are you serious? Are you fucking serious? Another guy? What's he going to want? That's the beginning of the day. And then another guy comes in. Oh, this is fucking bullshit. When is this going to stop? How many people are going to come in and require coffee at this coffee shop? Jesus Christ. That's not positive, but that was my attitude. Positivity, man. Hey, just be positive. Just focus. Just put out good energy in the world. Positive energy. Be a leader of men. Be a leader of women. Be a leader. Be positive. Be a team leader. Years and years of positivity. And still that guy, that Penn State guy, submerged and repressed and pushed down inside of him the all that horrible violent sexual hate and then it just came out in horrible little incidents of rape he was a team leader he helped people be proactive be positive hmm. anyway positive or negative all i'm trying to do is stay open to the experience that of the life I'm living. That's all I can do is try to keep an open heart and an open mind, knowing good and well that as we move through life, things are people are going to shit in my head, life is going to shit in my head, and people are going to hurt my heart. But what are the choices? You're just going to shut down and say, fuck that? Are you just going to shut down and say, just be positive, man? Positive. Either way, you're closing it off. How about be humble? And open your fucking heart. Where's my mind today? Wow. Full of anxiety. Full of it. But, you know, pretty soon I'm going to fix the door. I'm going to fix my kitchen. I'm going to call the guy that fixes the wood. And I'm going to make it all work out. That's what I keep going in my head. Nothing is stopping. Everything keeps coming at me. 
nothing has, I mean, incapable of compartmentalizing. Everything is coming at the same intensity. It's very hard for me to prioritize, but I hang on to a hope. I hang on to the hope that if I just call that dude who does that thing, he's going to fix it all and my life is going to be better. The dude with the tools is going to make it all right. You can pull that mic into your face. Okay. It's a radio mic, so it needs to go close. You've done voiceovers, haven't you? Um, not really, but I, I've I've done like podcasts and stuff. Do you audition for voiceovers? Um, I, I went through a period where I was auditioning for voiceovers, and it reminded me too much of when I was starting out and the humiliation of auditioning, so I just stopped. I was like, if... If somebody wants me to do a voiceover yeah. sometime in the future, then I'll do that. But I'm not going to go and slate my name. and all. It just it just made me feel terrible again. Again, you thought you'd pass that yeah. part. So it would brought you back. That's hilarious. Yeah, but when awful. did you start doing that acting thing? Um, the fall of 93. All right, so it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. So that horrible, that is a horrible thing. And there's a, and there's almost something when you do a voiceover, because I can, like I've done voiceover auditions here and I do my voice all the time. But when you're auditioning for something, then you, I become very insecure about the fact that I have a mush mouth that I lisp yeah. and then it fucking. It's yeah. All. You can hear yourself. Yeah. And, and the copy is about a Prius or some bullshit and, and they keep telling you to like brighten it up or smile. And it's just like, I'm. I'm the, I'm gonna disappoint you. This is gonna be f- fucking terrible, and I'm not gonna get this. And it's just gonna. So I just stopped. It was too much. Do you say that? Is there is there taped uh, evidence of you saying you know maybe we shouldn't do this? Oh, I so wish I, can... I wish I was that cool. That <laughs> I, I I was like thank you very much and just like kissing their ass and ugh, awful. Well, I I remember that thing. The you know I don't audition much, but I have, and I you know I can't. It's taken me a while just to realize that. Uh, if they don't want me, it ain't gonna happen. Right, right. But so, how old were you when you started acting? I mean, if in '93, you must have been what twenty? I was twenty. Yeah. And you did? You came out of where? I grew up in Santa Cruz. Who grows up there? That's like weird yeah. hippies and vampires. Yeah, yeah. Wait, did you have hippie vampire parents? Well, I, you know, the cool. Th- they were hippies, but they were also they were hippie-ish, but they were raising kids, so they didn't have time to commit to being hippies. But they certainly cultivated, you know health food and I mean, if you're in santa cruz you're just hippie-ish especially in the 70s and, and yeah the 80s. well there's sort of like a mystical thing by the way adam scott is in the garage see sometimes i forget to do an intro that's all right that's, that's good from party yeah. down from parks and rec from funny movies i can't list all your credits can you no <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> so so you were in oh really do you have some embarrassing ones are there ones that you're like oh, i can't no, oh yeah no. there's some awful, awful. What, what's uh what's, i mean i started in 93 so there's bound to be some shitty. I mean, it's been a while. What's you know? your uh, greatest shitty memory of doing something that you now wish uh, was not uh, evidence of what you did? I had some little part in something that where I had to pretend like I was jacking off onto a a girl who had passed out at a frat party and <laughs> go through like all this dirty talk to her and then like and then like you know come on her. Yeah. And it was so awful. Um, it was one of your first jobs, so you were like, no, got to do it? It was like, it wasn't, but I still needed a job and I needed to make a good impression. I just, I, I never said impression. no to anything <laughs> until I 
<laughs> I still, you know, feel like I should do everything that is asked of me. But that's that's hilarious because there's some, you know, there's this idea that when there's something that happens very quickly when you get into a to show business where you're like, oh, I'm an actor, and yeah. then when you're jerking off on a passed yeah. out girl and uh, you know trying to play coming yeah. in one scene, you're like, well, maybe it's not acting exactly. <laughs> maybe it's just, just I don't know what this it's is. Paid humiliation. Yeah, it's making me feel terrible, and there's no way it's making her feel good. It's making everyone uncomfortable. Oh, it was it was terrible. Well, that's, but, that's you know. What's kind of funny about uh, a party down is that that is what that guy comes from, right? Right. Yeah. But let's get back before we get to that. I mean, at Santa Cruz, I'm sort of fascinated with yeah. because um, I, I used to do gigs down there. It was a bar called the Crow's Nest. Oh yeah, man. You remember that place? Oh, totally. It's still there. Right. So I, you, you know, your family's still there. Yeah. So you go there. there. Uh huh. Yeah, I, they used to have a comedy night there, man. Oh, they did? Yeah, and when man. I was starting out, when I moved to San Francisco in 92, sure. you'd go there, sure. and I always felt like even when I'd stay the night in Santa Cruz, you'd walk around. I know there's a big school there, but there's something weird and, and uh-huh. kind of creepy hippie about it, isn't there? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, they kind of found a little of that in Lost Boys. That Was that what, maybe yeah. that's what put it in my head. But, they, but so that's, that's why true. you said the vampire thing, right? Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Maybe it is, but I always get the sense that the, that there was sort of a, a kind of progressive hippie Wiccan, uh, you know, bordering on, uh, you know, strange shit kind yeah. of witchcraft thing down there. Well, you know, a lot of that is the school and the st- the students. Um, is it one of those really, it's kind of a progressive college? It is, but it's yeah. the University of California, right? It is. I mean, it's a, an expensive school, so right. all the kids that go there that are hippies, yeah. are they also have like their parents' credit card. Sure. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of That's how that. all new hippies start. Sure. <laughs> I certainly went through that. <laughs> I, was, I was really into the Grateful Dead. Were you? So, oh, totally. I still love the Grateful Dead. Uh, well, I'm uh, I'm happy to hear that because I, uh, here's a beanie right here. Oh, nice. I'm not a, I'm not a heavy, dead, heady guy. Mm-hmm. My brother was a little more than me, but I, mm-hmm. I had roommates in college and yeah. I, I like that whole thing. But Oh, yeah. So were you like a, a like a little jigging, long-haired, yeah. played a little hacky? Oh, totally. I was I was terrible at hacky sack, but I, you know, I tried, and I certainly went to dead shows. And did you like so a lot? Fun. Did you follow them? You know, that? it's weird. I was thinking the other day because when I was fourteen, I was really into the Grateful Dead, and my mom let me and my other buddy, who was also fourteen, take the Greyhound up to the Oakland Coliseum to see the Grateful Dead. Yeah, and then go to a friend of his parents in San Francisco to spend the night at her place. Take the great the Greyhound back the next day. Yeah. Now, this was 1987, mm-hmm. so it was a different time. But she, I, can you imagine a more trusting mom than letting? I, I, I mean, I would freak out if, if I would never let my kid do that. But you know, How old it was a different. Now? Uh, three and five. I was talking about this to a friend of mine recently that when I was a kid, we used to take the city bus up to the mall at like 13. Yeah, like they would just let. It's sort of sad. That yeah, it, it, it you, you just know, can't do it anymore. I guess. I mean, the odds are, are probably still in your favor that yeah. something horrible won't happen. It's either you can't do it anymore or we've been led to believe that that's just something that's just impossible. You just can't do it anymore. Yeah, I mean, 14. I mean, I was driving at 15 in yeah, New Mexico. I, I guess mean, 14 is not that big of a deal. But I mean, still, you have kids. And I, you know, like, I don't have kids. And I'm with a woman that wants to have kids. And I'm getting old. And I yeah. can't handle just the thought of having a child. Yeah, I'm worrying now for a child yeah. I don't have and probably won't have. I'm worried about him. Yeah, I was watching. <laughs> I went to my daughter's ballet class today and I was watching her. And all I could think about was. 
her getting hurt. Oh. And she was doing the most beautiful I, thing you could ever imagine, the cutest, most beautiful, incredible thing. And all I could think about was I, I went through a whole fantasy scenario of tearing some guy apart who hits her in the face. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, it's, Wait, it's, let's play that out exactly. <laughs> so this is Adam Scott watching his daughter to ballet class. And you're yeah. like, well, look, that's, she's really doing a great job. And it's so vulnerable because they're young. Yeah. And they're, they, you know, they're excited and yeah. they're doing the best they can. And it's very touching. Yeah. And, and what happens in your head? <laughs> well, last week, a, another little girl had pushed her face down into a, a gymnastics mat and got she got a scratch on her face. So I guess it's kind of fresh that I feel like protective of her. Yeah. But I just had this fantasy of like a grown man shoving her aside or slapping her across the face or something. Oh my god. And so I went through this whole like thing where I I just beat the shit out of him. And it was a visceral like I started sweating and getting while <laughs> really, the recital was going yeah, on. Yeah, wh- while I was watching her, her dance. Yeah. You're sitting there beating the shit out of a guy you yeah. made up who just pushed your daughter out of the yeah. way. A, 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 a fictional person. <laughs> not, not, not like it was entirely. It was just. You know. what, did, 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 was there. Uh, did something lead up to it or he just appeared out of nowhere for no reason and, <laughs> and pushed your daughter yeah, down? Yeah, it was at the gymnastics place oh. so it was it had a setting i don't know well that's not it's that's very I, uh, it's a, I, I mean i have uh you know i used to have more of that where you know you get those weird revenge fantasies yeah just sort of like you know you feel like somehow or another you're you're being victimized and then you kind of play this thing out yeah yeah i i there's you know, it usually happens in my mind with bullies or people that uh you know are more successful than me right i, I right. picture their downfall <laughs> I, I i've gotten much better with it right you know I've, I've i've actually been able to accept people's success without thinking you know hoping that like you know oh me might have a heart attack tomorrow sure and, sure and sure it's all lost <laughs> but it, like it was sort of spontaneous i it did you feel i guess it's probably because you felt powerless what happened with this so it was just some girl her age that pushed her yeah down? i mean i wasn't even there when it happened i just heard about it is now, that I, a nicotine lozenge yeah i you need one i have them in my pocket you do yeah how long you been on them a year i've been i've been on i haven't smoked in like 10 years what oh kind, well, that's great what kind do you smoke i smoke i've never uh, met anyone else who does them these yeah i know it is weirdly rare isn't it it is i mean people do the gum but the lozenges they seem like sort of an abstract they're, I, they're way better than the gum right yeah i think they're better than the gum and i fucking love them me too like to, to get up in the morning and have coffee and a lozenge oh it, a coffee with the lozenge is incredible yeah it really is it's so good but, look, but wait have, yeah. do you fall asleep with them in your mouth sometimes <laughs> do you have fucked up dreams yeah yeah but the, it's sort of sad like the moment when i i'm not doing that as much as any anymore because i got very self-conscious about my gum line because i decided that the gum and the lozenges were fucking my gums up really you no know, you can that's a new thing you can get paranoid about is that true though well you know if you google things you know apparently i mean i have bad gums anyways because my teeth my bites off is a long story but uh i got paranoid about it you maybe you can get paranoid why about would it you get bad gums from your bite being off because your teeth meet in different places so the, the where there's like tension wherever there's your teeth are mm. working more it, it's all about even and huh. whatever and so your gums are receding yeah oh. do you have that well that just happens when you get older it does yeah okay did you already research it yeah because i saw a picture of myself and i was like holy fuck i look like don knots because yeah. my gums are and then i kind of researched it and was like well first of all you I, you need to floss because yeah. that helps your gums. Yeah. But secondly, it just happens when you get older. All right. Yeah, because I, I mean, okay. All right. Well, I'm okay about it. But, oh, the, yeah, falling asleep with nicotine lozenges. Yeah. How long did you best. smoke for? I smoked for solid like 10, 11 years and then quit and then started again and then quit. And now I'm just like on these. And then if I'm at a party 
someone's smoking, I'll just go ask for one and yeah. have one. Yeah, you know? uh, I can't imagine having one. Yeah, it's so been you a haven't while. smoked in ten years? Not really. I mean, I'll smoke cigars occasionally, but I haven't. I've inhaled maybe a cigarette twice in the last probably eleven years. Because I remember when I first started listening to your show, I think Dane Cook was the first one I listened to, and you were on there talking about getting off these. Oh, that's what you were doing. Yeah, because I've considered going to this hypnotist to get off of the lozenges. Do you want to though? Well, my wife is convinced that they're bad for me and they're harmless. See, the tobacco things, those can give you mouth cancer. These are harmless. I think so. I mean, they're not burning your lungs, but I imagine that nicotine in and of itself and the processing of nicotine in the organ area has got to be bad somehow. I guess, but there's no health warning on the package. Yeah, but you, but you do this. That's the same thing I do. It's like I've just like you justify it, but. right? Because like, well, it's in a package, right? Yeah, and, and it's made by a company. <laughs> they sell it at the store. How can it be bad for me? Right. <laughs> Your brain is in that denial mode. I mean, how many fucking products are shitty for you? Yeah. I mean, it's just I don't want to let go of the nicotine. I know that apparently my brain and my body can function without it, but I don't. Yeah, it's so fucking fun. It is. It's nice. Do you it's, ever double? Do you throw sure, two man. in? Sure. Are you on four or two? Four, always four. Oh, you're on four? I'm on two. Why? Because I don't want to go to four, man. Because then there's no backing backing down. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doubling up on twos. Well, I throw two in at like like the... Uh, uh, last night I fell asleep with two in my mouth and woke up at like three in the morning with because they don't dissolve unless you no, work them. Yeah, I know that. So if you fall asleep, yeah. they're still fully formed know, yeah. at four in the morning when yeah. you wake up. Yeah. So I woke up this morning. And I, do you tell your wife though? I mean, does she know you got a mouthful of nicotine? She knows, and she just thinks I'm an idiot. Yeah, especially when I wake up from a nightmare induced and by <laughs> take out two lozenges. Ugh, I have like gross, like half oh, dissolved yeah. ones on my. Oh yeah, nightstand. save them. Yeah, Ugh, Shit, yeah. So gross. I picked one up off the floor and ate it. A half dissolved one, and I'm like, oh, that's still good. I mean, what the fuck is wrong <laughs> with me? They're not, it's Absolutely. not like it's cocaine or something. Well, it's it, more powerful than cocaine, actually. It's more addictive, isn't it? Well, I think it's more addictive, yeah, and it's certainly... But I'm starting to think, like, I don't know, man. Did you ever... Were you ever other drug thing? Did you ever get... No. You're not I'm, compulsive in any other way? No. I mean, smoking and coffee were right. really my things. But, you know, I was a big stoner for a while, but... When you were in high school? High school and, and then, like, my 20s, but... Now I every once in a while, but you know, I, I have to wake up early, so you know, <laughs> yeah, it sucks. You, you got a job, yeah. But yeah, well, these things like I'm starting to think like um, it's anxiety related. Uh-huh. I'm just, I think. Uh-huh. Do you? I mean, like these. Well, I think I'm self-medicating a certain yeah. amount of like because these are really steady and consistent. They're even they're almost a little more defined than cigarettes Mm -hmm. like i know like if i smoke three cigarettes you're dealing with the smoke and the smoke's coming Mm -hmm. out of your face and you know you feel but this like it doesn't it's not dirty yeah you know there's no you know there's no smell or anything and you just put it in your mouth and then you just kind of wait like ah you can really feel it yeah and it's cool because it's your own thing people don't have to know that you're doing it so it's your own private little yeah. Dose you're getting. That's what everybody thinks when they do any drug by themselves yeah, yeah, at yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. one knows. No I'm, one knows. Yeah, I'm on high on fucking crystal meth no. just because I'm talking about, uh, you know, drawing a maze. <laughs> but all right. So there you are. The Grateful Dead show. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, did you trip? You know, I was never a big, I, I would just smoke lots of, lots of pot. I, I, I did do uh, mushrooms. I would do mushrooms like yeah. right after... I was out of high school. I kind of did mushroom. I remember doing mushrooms at the Grateful Dead show in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. where when Sting opened. And if you take enough mushrooms, I learned Sting is awesome, <laughs> but you have to take 
a bunch of mushrooms. You have to take a lot of mushrooms just to get over his horrendous personality <laughs> and that <laughs> that transcendent arrogance that he has. I do remember his guitar had a Grateful Dead sticker on it, and I was oh, like, come on. You fucking... Yeah, that's yeah. not... Don't pretend. The police were amazing, though. So, I, I, somehow or another, you've been kind of like, uh, you know, rotating around the community of, like, cool comedy people. When right. did that start? Uh, about four years ago. Oh, really? I mean... You know, back in early 94, mm-hmm. I used to go to Uncabaret every Sunday night. Beth Lapidus. Yeah. And that thing. And I would go and watch because a friend of mine was Karen Kilgariff's roommate. So I kind of heard about it. Do you know you know Karen? Sure. Right? Yeah. I had her um, on the live show. Maleva Barbula. Do you remember her? I do know. I remember Maleva. How do I remember her? Where, what is she now? I, I think she moved to Sacramento like in 97 or something. She, she got out? She got out. She was really cool. And we were really close friends for a while. And so she told me. So I'd go and watch every Sunday night. And I remember just thinking like, that looks like it feels great. Yeah. <laughs> to be on stage doing that? Yeah. And no defined. Because it wasn't always stand up. It was like. Yeah. Stories. And. 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 Odenkirk and and David Cross doing like pre Mister Show bits. And- yeah, well, Lapidus, I think really, I, I you know, I don't know if she gets enough credit, uh, you know, for for sort of being at the forefront of alternative comedy. But yeah. that the Uncabaret was really the first one yeah. that embraced comedic actors and comedians to do other things. Yeah, it was it was extraordinary. And then I remember they also did some shows. It wasn't Uncabaret. Some over at the corner of uh, La Brea and Hollywood. Remember that place, like. La Brea in Hollywood. There is some room like back in like an old bank. Oh, really? Was, I don't know. I can't quite remember. It yeah, sounds yeah, like yeah. it. Do you remember who was there? Who was on? I remember seeing Kathy Griffin one night, Andy Dick. Anyway, I would go to Uncabaret and watch uh, everybody. And and um, and, uh, and I even came up with some bits in my mind. And, but I was I was never even close to going through whatever channel I would need to to go do a bit on. I would never... You were never close to asking Beth Lapidus? No. What, <laughs> Good Lord. I mean, I was like, I just, I was like wanting to be Ethan Hawke or whatever I was doing at the time. I was just starting out trying to get a guest spot on whatever TV Was that shows. the thing for you? Was that like you wanted to be a leading man? You oh, were, I thought I was, yeah, I wanted to be, like, because I went to acting school a, where after at? Santa Cruz. Uh the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. It was in Pasadena. Um, and so I went there for two years and then moved here in 93 to, um, like, you know, Hollywood. Yeah, to try and, you know, act and stuff. But were you kind of being moved in that direction? I mean, you, you know, you're a good looking guy and you did some TV stuff. And I mean, you know, it wasn't until four years ago when just by a fluke I got the part in Step Brothers that right. I. Um, even kind of entered that world at all. Really? really? Yeah. That I was mean, the beginning of it? You weren't friends with those guys? Or I mean, else? I've been buddies with Paul Rudd for years and years. And so through him and Shauna Robertson, who was producing Knocked Up, I got like this little part as a nurse in that movie. I remember that. But just figuring I would, it was just a, a couple days. It was just another one of these little tiny jobs. I didn't really think of it as being a, a a bridge to anything else because I still thought I was like a s- serious actor and that's what I because I was on this serious TV show and I, I didn't think it would which TV show 
Tell Me You Love Me, the HBO show. Oh, yeah, 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 it's yeah. It's like about marriage and yeah, sex. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, you were like, uh, you were in that horrible marriage. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, we were trying to have a baby, me and um, Sonia Walger. Who that was, was a, you know, I remember watching uh, some of your episodes. That was like uh, painful. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that was a, a, a deep part. You did a good job with that. Oh, thanks, man. Because didn't the marriage come apart? Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, yeah, it did. We did. We split up at the end of the season, and then she got pregnant, I believe, and then the season ended. Um, but that was what I, the path I was. That's what I thought I was like. I got that show, and I was like, okay, this is the right. thing. But then um, I got the part in Step Brothers, just like as a fluke, yeah. and and it was super fun. I mean, I wasn't. It was a really tough thing to do like I wasn't great at it while I was doing it but I also felt like this is by the end of it I felt like I was starting to get the hang of it of Step Brothers yeah of like by the end of the shoot I felt like I started to get the hang of improvising a bit and um and it was started to really feel fun and I and I I, when it ended I felt like I don't know if I want to go back to the other way of, trying to do that yeah like even because it was improvising so we were like coming up with stuff and having fun but whether it's improvising or not uh just the idea of just there's no wrong answer you're just tr- just throw everything against why the wall not? And see what's yeah like why because it's just uh tape or film yeah, or yeah. whatever you're using yeah. like try everything and if it sucks just don't put it in the movie. Well, this is interesting because I was talking to uh, somebody else about this. I talked to uh, Rain Wilson about this, mm-hmm. that, you know, coming from what you come from, that, you know, to do a part like you did in, in Tell Me You Love Me, um, that you're drawing from emotions that, I mean, there's a, if you are able to, as an act, uh, actor, to access that stuff and, yeah. to, and to get deep and to get heavy and to get dark and hold those moments. Yeah. I mean, not everybody can do that, but I mean, it's probably you know, on some level as a, a trained actor, easier to do that than to do comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, it seems to me that because, like in Rudd's another good example, though, he's sort of figured out, you, you know, what is funny about him. Yeah. Uh, somehow, but he's sort of a straight, good-looking guy, and straight, yeah. good-looking guys, or straight playing. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not judging anyone's sexuality, but but guys who play a, str- a straight man right. or or can play straight acting roles, right? Uh, or are, are are attractive people, they're almost have a li- It's almost a liability in right. doing comedy, right? And it seems to me that a lot outside of Step Brothers, the sort of comedic groove that you've gotten into is you know either kind of a a guy who's a little. Um, uh, you know, not you know, maybe a, a little bit of a an asshole, but not mm-hmm. like a mean asshole, but a, right. you know, an asshole because he has to be, right? Or someone who's sort of beaten, right? Uh, but it, it's uh, you do play a straight man a bit, right? But you also yeah. have a comedic voice. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, in terms of how you handle things, and I can't really get at you know what you do to do that. Yeah, you know, I I think it was um, the first day we were shooting Party Down. Yeah, which. By the way, we didn't know what that was going to be. It was just a bunch of... We were just all friends and stars, the network stars, is the, are the ones that like gave us the money and, and were going to air it. So we didn't know if anyone was ever going to see it or if it was even going to end up being any good because 
we, we were just starting this thing. And, and so... But if so it was a group project who, like... Well, the, um... Was it all hand-picked? I mean, Paul Rudd co-wrote the, he, what, the first po- the he, first episode or all of it? The first episode, um, he and um, some other friends of mine, Rob Thomas and Dan Etheridge and John Enbaum. So all, you were part of the beginning of it? Well, no, they wrote it. Yeah. And then we made a pilot in uh, Rob Thomas's backyard, like a... Y- a year and a half before we made the show. We just made like a homemade thing. You shot a party scene? Yeah, we did what's essentially the first episode of the show now. We did kind of a bootleg, like a like a lo-fi version of that uh-huh. at his house. With um, that cast? Uh, uh, Lizzie Kaplan wasn't in it. Um, Andrea Savage played her part and then couldn't do the series because she was pregnant when it got mm-hmm. picked up. Um, and then there were a couple other castings, but Jane Lynch and Ken Marino and I mm-hmm. were all in it. And Martin? Um, and Martin Starr was in it, uh-huh. yeah. No, he wasn't, actually. Not in the he, original no. pilot. Um, and uh, so so anyway, I remember the first day we were shooting the show, and we weren't all totally sure what we were doing yet. I remember the director, Fred Savage, was directing it. He, I was shooting the scene, and he was like... And I, I think I was really playing it like... Because I was used to just playing little parts where you try and get everything in to your one or two scenes you have and so i was really kind of leaning into it and playing it nasty or just trying to pick one thing and trying to play it yeah no it wasn't even that it was just i was i don't know what it was it was just what i had been doing for the you know 15 years up to that point and i remember him just kind of saying like look you're gonna you have a lot of time to do stuff in this show, so why don't you just relax and just enjoy talking to this girl and we'll worry about all that other stuff later. So and you were it, just loaded up. Yeah, so it was like a it was a good lesson that if you're gonna be like kind of the straight man or the the, the guy at the center of something, to just sort of um relax and let yourself into it and let yourself you know, not not that you're playing yourself or whatever, but just kind of react to stuff as you would and just kind of relax. Um, right, anyway, make, a, make a couple of choices around the character and then just let it breathe a little bit. Yeah, it was a good lesson in um, in just trying to uh, to just sort of let go and let stuff happen. And, and well, I think it's you're talking about the energy that, you, you know, because like, I think when you get used to acting and you go out for these auditions, even when you have a name for yourself, that when you go into an audition, the intensity you bring to it to be memorable is so yeah. fucking amped. Yeah. And I would imagine that there was probably the same energy around shooting your own pilot, thinking that every one of these minutes... Counted. Makes, right. Yeah. And and he had the foresight to say, you know, let's just treat it like, you know, this this is going to live. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just don't be so precious about right. it. Which was another nice lesson with working with McKay and Will Ferrell and those guys was just fuck it just let's just fuck around <laughs> let's, let's just screw around and if it's funny great if it's not then let's just keep going and find something else funny and Were you, was it hard in like in Step Brothers because you're a dick yeah and and that's uh you know it, you don't seem like a dick right and uh, and it was a pretty broad character yeah and and you tell me that it took you a lot to get there no it didn't take a lot to get there cuz they had written this awesome part right. it was just really hard because I had never really done improvisation at, at all? that level. Not, I mean, padding a line here and there in, in movies or TV shows or whatever. But like, we shoot like two scripted takes, and then you just fuck around all day. Really? Yeah. And 
I was in like a scene scenes with those two guys with John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. Yeah. And we're just making stuff up. Yeah. It was like I was terrible. Like it was I was terrible. <laughs> like I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. At all. Like after my first scene I shot, which was kind of a big scene, this is scene in a treehouse in the movie. It was a Friday, and then we finished. And over that weekend, I, I, freaked out, and I I was convinced I I was because we had only shot like two days, so yeah, they like could easily replace. Like it was no big deal; they could get. But rid it of also it. must be intimidating for for you. I mean, you know, this is a. I, I mean, fuck, Riley won an Oscar, didn't he? Uh, he he was nominated a couple times. Yeah, and and then you got Farrell, who I can't even look at without laughing. I know. So how much of that baggage did you bring into the scene? Were you uh, still- all of that baggage? <laughs> <laughs> Every single piece of baggage. <laughs> you were sitting there going, I can't fucking... This, this no, I, I had written things on a piece of paper to remind myself of, <laughs> of bits I had come up with. And then I would like read the paper and then try and do it and I would fuck up. And I, I mean, I was... It was embarrassing. I was really bad. Uptight. But they're really cool and supportive and they're and they great. Stu- they stood behind you though. They let you stay in. Yeah, they did not fire me you know what finally made you relax did will do something or did they do something it was just being there for a while and and i remember by the end you know john uh riley and i were like improvising about a boogie board or something and it was really like flowing more and and i was like all right i I kind of feel better about this and then the movie ended but (laughs) it was uh it was uh, it was a very um you know i equate it to learning how to uh, learning the shot put at the Olympics, right? Like in the Olympic <laughs> stadium, everyone watching. Here's the ball. Yeah, here's the, the lead ball. Right. Yeah. So it was terrifying, but it was a real. Uh, it changed the way I kind of look at my work and the way I want to do things. And and uh, and it was. I mean, they're they're you know I think you've you had McKay on the show. Sure. I mean, they're they're great guys, and and they were. It was a very, bap- very nice. It was like me. a baptism into uh, performing modern comedy. It, it kind of was, I guess so. Yeah, and um, then they, they chose you, and they stuck by, and they stuck by you. Yeah, it was very nice of them to choose me in the first place, but to to not get rid of me was was uh, very nice. Did now in 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 retrospect here, like you know what what are your what do your folks do? I mean, oh. was this the life they planned for you? <laughs> oh no, they're teachers. Uh, they're both teachers, like public school teachers. Or? My mom was a public school teacher. She's retired now. Uh, high school teacher. Mm-hmm. The high school I went to actually, and my dad oh, no. was a, a biology professor at the junior college in Santa Cruz, and okay. he's retired as well. So wait, so your mom was a teacher at your school? Yeah, she was a special ed teacher. Um, oh, so you can't take many shots for that, right? You know, <laughs> right, like if right. your if your mom was the, the horrible bitch of a teacher of right. math or English, but the special, no one's going to be like, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, no good stories there. No, I, I was not in any of her in any, any of her classes, although I probably should have been. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what was your like in 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 high school? What was your uh, were you an athletic guy or what? No, I mean, I did like school plays and stuff, but I was so you're an actor. Yeah, but yeah. I was embarrassed about the social strata of it, so I kind of like what wouldn't hang out with them. It was a little too uh, too musical oriented, or they they were called drama mags at mm. our school. And what is it? mags, I don't know, I don't know where that came from, but that's what they were called. Yeah, drama mags, and that was not a good thing. No, not for me. <laughs> I wanted to like have get girls. And, yeah, yeah. You know. So I hung out with like. Um, the popular kids, but also would dabble in the theaters. Oh, the theater, yeah. yeah. Well, like when you do something like um, 
like Party Down. Yeah. Now, was there a sense, because this is one of these shows that not unlike Freaks and Geeks is, is sort of celebrated. It's got a cult following. You know, I've watched uh, a few episodes and it's very funny right. and very specific and it didn't get to live. Right. And it upset a lot of people because it was a very sort of, um, it was a comedy nerd's dream a bit, yeah. you know, especially the Freaks and Geeks crew and, and right. the state crew. And it was sort of a hybrid of, of what's going on in comedy now. Yeah. What was the reaction? Like, it sounds to me that from the beginning, you guys thought like, well, it's, you know, how is this even going to live? It's, you know, how's anyone going to see this? Yeah. I mean, why'd they choose stars? Well, because stars was were the only ones that were interested, um, and that was really at the time where they they'd switched um, uh, head executives and 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 right and no they they switched head executives right before we got canceled. It's the new guy that canceled us actually. Really, the guy yeah. from HBO, yeah, What's Chris Albrecht. Chris Al- yeah. Well, that's odd. Well, I know that they do that, but that mean that seemed like a. I mean, there's no way not to see that that was a uh, an inspired uh, bit of comedy. We thought it was weird too, just because he comes from comedy. Yeah, he built HBO. Yeah, and he was a stand-up at one point. But our numbers were super low. Like, our series finale got 16,000 viewers. And what what's their big hit there, though? Spart- well, we thought our numbers were low because we're on Stars, and then Spartacus debuted, and they got a million viewers. So we were like, well, I guess it's not. <laughs> I guess it's us. And then we got canceled. I see. I don't fucking understand that because Stars is—it's sort of like TBS. I mean, Conan O'Brien's doing a great show over yeah. there, but I don't know where the fuck Stars is. Do you? No. <laughs> um, but you know, they—they they were cool because the whole time we made the show, they didn't dabble at all with our with with our show. They didn't tell us to well, do anything. Like, it sounds like they were in turmoil in terms yeah. of changing things so they're like just let them let yeah. the kids play and we'll I, see what they come up with yeah I think also they just hadn't made a lot of shows and so they just kind of trusted us to do I mean every once in a while they would ask us to have more boobs on the show or something which really is like, that was a note yeah more boobs more boobs more we're like okay so he wrote a uh, John wrote an episode about being us catering a porn awards after party Good, so good a idea. Bunch of boobs. That's pretty inspired. That's <laughs> no. a good thought. Now, was there like a lot of disappointment when he got canceled? I mean, was there some sort of rallying cry to uh, to try to get it somewhere else? Or? Yeah, it kind of like petered out more than. I mean, when it got canceled, it got canceled. But up until then, like I got Parks and Rec and Party Down looked like it was going to get canceled. Right. So I tried to see if they were really going to cancel because if they weren't going to, I wasn't sure about. If I was gonna do parks, and, you know, it was like a whole messy thing, and then um, they just wouldn't answer the question. So I was like, "All right, they're canceling it." And so I, and at that time, were you jaded enough just to realize that that's just part of what we do? Yeah, that's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Now, how did uh, was Paul Rudd an active producer all the way through? Or yeah, yeah, he was. Was he pretty disappointed? Was there anyone yeah, upset? I mean, or? we were all really upset. Um, it was really, really sad, um, but. We also got to do twenty of them, which is more than we ever thought we were going to be able to do. That is pretty good. We got to do two seasons, right? And um, and now it's become way more popular since um, since um, since it got canceled. So (laughs) we're gonna probably do a movie. Uh, Is that true? Yeah, like a you know low budget little thing. But 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 with the same cast. Yeah, with everybody and just kind of wrap up the story. And who's gonna produce that? Um. There's a company that is that is interested in it, um, and they, they said they want to do it. It's just a matter of getting 
stars to completely sign off on it, and I think they're they're going to. They've been pretty cool about it. The original cast, yeah. Well, who would be hard to get? Lynch. And, oh yeah, I don't know uh, if Jane, I don't know if Jane will do it. I mean, we'll certainly invite her, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, but definitely uh, the season two cast, which is all of us and Megan Mullally. Yeah, she's funny, huh? Yeah, hilarious. Now, okay, so now moving into uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah. So now, do you feel like you've established yourself as this type? Do you think you're going to be the sort of straight kind of you know either uh, you know uh, well, I don't know I'm trying to figure out a word that describes the uh, the character in Parks and Rec, you know that you, you've got like a, a heartless job but you've got some heart. Right, 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 right. I don't know. Um, how, now, how did that contract pan out? You, you're you. What episode? What's what um, season are they in? Well, we just started season four. Um, but so season one was only six episodes, so it's kind of like not a not a real. So we, it's season four technically. You were in every episode of season. I started at the end of season two. Okay, right. So like the last two of season two, and then I was in all of season. So three. you're full cast member. You're yeah, not, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And when you do, uh, what, what what is your position exactly? Your your what? You're now not... I'm assistant city manager. <laughs> yeah, which I, I don't even really know what that means. <laughs> And now, do you feel how much of that stuff is improvised over there? Um, a little bit. I mean, we we do like you know a few takes of you know just pure one hundred percent scripted, and then we screw around a little bit, and then we do like a take that's all like whatever you want to do. But they write great scripts over there. Like the it's a, an amazing um, group of writers like Chelsea Peretti and yeah. Harris Whittles and Dan yeah. Gore. I mean, they're all awesome. And so we just, um, we just do you believe in the script. Yeah. So it, we don't really need to improvise, but it's, it's, it's nice. I think it's just a nice thing to do. I think it just makes everybody really engaged. And do they and, use some of the improvised stuff? Yeah. And they, oh, and Step Brothers, how much of the improvised stuff was used? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. I mean, the, the, they had a full script and a lot of that is in there, but there's a lot of, bits that are and, improvised and watching it do you feel a little more proud of yourself i do i, I mean they very generously cut me together in that because i am telling you uh f- for a good portion of that shoot i was a disaster <laughs> so they 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 were very you know they cut me together was there nicely. a lot of uh, a lot of uh, nights of yelling at yourself in front of your yeah. wife like what the fuck am i doing yeah and yeah. driving home, just like what, what am I, what am I doing? Like you think of all the fun things you could have said in the drive home, and and you know, again, it was my first time really doing something like this. Did so, Adam have to talk you off the ledge a lot, or no? I I, I didn't kept really it to yourself? show. Yeah, yeah, I, I kept it to myself, but I was just kind of in a constant state of embarrassment. <laughs> oh my god, because that character is so not that right. Uh, yeah, it, it was. It was never. Uh, really said this much about it but it was kind of a a a weird thing but i have to say by the end i I felt a lot better about myself but still i was like oh boy i don't know um so now tell me about this uh this idea that um you're you're finding like because you were definitely in the upper echelon of of the the film comedy community now so you don't you're, you're losing your your drive to uh, to perhaps uh, do weighty, more disturbing roles? Um, n- not necessarily. I mean, uh, it's weird though because like, um, there's a whole community that I've 
whole comedy community that's really lovely. You yeah. Know? Like I met Paul Shear doing Piranha 3D. <laughs> What was the angle on that? Like, I know it was... What was the angle on it? Well, I mean, the angle was we're going to redo this movie in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, right? Yeah, I guess so. But it didn't uh, pan out that way? or It it did. I mean, I think it... Did you see it? I, I didn't. Yeah. It, it's... A lot of it is tongue-in-cheek, and a lot of it is really gory and, and scary and gross. And I think it's a really weird, cool movie, but mm-hmm. um, it was a hard one to explain to... To the public, like, what is this? Why are they doing this again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it wasn't it, it wasn't old enough for it to be camp in that in right. a pop culture way, right? Like it was, you know, it wasn't a bad good a good bad movie necessarily. Right. So it was sort of like a little too soon. It's like, why are they doing this that, again? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it was someone's big idea. Who was that big idea? Was that? Uh, I think it was Dimension, the the um, the Weinstein. Company's, oh really? Uh, like horror wing, and you know the movie itself. Are you wanted for really something? Because cool. I think that airplane's been circling for about yeah, ten minutes. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> did you they're steal ju- a car? They're really curious about um, how I felt on Step Brothers and <laughs> everything I was doing. Um, but anyway, I met Paul Shear there, um, and it's just kind of this great. Like if I'm on my way home from Parks and Rec and and somebody's doing something at UCB or like the Doug Doug Benson's Benson, sure. podcast or something, you drop, you know, stop there and jump on stage for a quick thing and then get in the car and go home. Like, it's really fun. Like, yeah. it's really great. And it's uh, everybody, it's a really terrific community yeah. of people. Yeah. It's not like in dramatic acting, you have a community of dramatic actors who no <laughs> there's none out. of that yeah, stuff. you can't stop by and do a little shakespeare <laughs> right <laughs> or you know, stanley kowalski or whatever yeah. um well yeah there's a couple cats that are that are like that that are actors because i mean i don't talk to a ton a ton of actors yeah yeah yeah, yeah most of the people i talk to are sketch dudes or, or comedians right. or this or that but i had uh you know like john ham's another one that seems to love hanging yeah. out at uh at comedy places yeah. Do you, are you friends with him? Yeah, yeah, we've been friends for a really long time, and used to go to to comedy to Largo all the time. time. Yeah, totally. And um, and so you know, once we we've both obviously kind of him obviously way more than me have kind of got our shot. It, it's great to be able to kind of embrace that and 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 sort of uh, uh, try and jump. And I mean, I'm certainly not at the level of of any of these people let alone the people on the show that i'm on but it, it certainly is fun to you know jump in there sometimes and just kind you... of feel like i'm a little bit a part of this you are part thing. of it what is well, it with this uh, this weird uh, low level of uh confidence around being a comedic performer you seem to dismiss yourself an awful lot well it's not uh, f- uh fa- false modesty it's, no i know i don't feel that yeah yeah it's, it's <laughs> I, I feel like you're genuinely insecure <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's, I still feel like I'm, it's kind of a new thing for me and I, and I'm kind of enjoying, um, my work really in in a way that I, 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 I'm enjoying my work kind of for the first time, like for the first time I feel like I'm doing something that I really feel like I, 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 I finally know why I I'm he, he, why I came down here. Sure. Like I realized the other day, I've been down here longer than I was in Santa Cruz. Yeah. So I'm I'm here, and I finally like feel like I'm found doing something. Yeah. You know, like you found a, a niche. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're kind of like a, you're like the go-to straight guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, 
just being a part of something is but to is work nice. to be like the guy that a sort of anchor to clowns yeah is is is, is a, an important job i guess so <laughs> and i'm not trying to diminish no, anything no, you're no, doing no. believe but, me it's but you know people forget nice. that you know in a comedy where you're like even in party down and even on parks and rec that you have you you have a, a comedic you know persona on right. that show right. but you're surrounded by very broad you know like got you know comedic actors right or characters more so i'm not saying that anyone's a better actor or what but some of those characters are huge right and yours is is fairly grounded i mean you're right. the guy going come on get, right, right can we right. just please right and that's a that's an important you're the anchor yeah i guess <laughs> but i mean in, in party down too you know you were this sort of weird sage of bitterness right that that had a certain amount of retrospect you were the only one that had any success and made a very profound decision to stop right which is everyone's biggest fear in this business yeah that was a challenge about first of all i think in the the cool thing about parks and rec is that amy's character and nick offerman's character are both they they pull off the hat trick of being um the you know wildly kind of comedic and everything yeah. but they're both anchors as well which of course, is really right. really um um interesting and really difficult um right. that they, they make look incredibly easy but they're both really grounded i think you know all the characters on the no, show yeah, have definitely. a really grounded side but you see amy and nick really holding it down while doing insane things it's a really i guess um, what i mean is you're a good, a good foil because you know sure. you get to be like you know can we not right really right, right guys let's do some paperwork over here <laughs> yeah and that just is like sort of like a fuel for uh for you know broad comedy characters yeah so what happens now i mean like when you like it's interesting to me this whole uh, like the pressure of not coming from comedy and then you know being in these you know big comedy movies. I mean, do, how crazy do you drive your wife with uh, with the insecurity? Um, you know, it's it's kind of calmed down. I mean, you know, the, 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 there's a thing that happens, and I, I'm sure it's the same with stand-ups as well. You, uh, I'm not sure, but you can tell me if it is. Yeah. Where it takes so long, or it took me so long to get any traction whatsoever. But along the way from, you know, 1993 on, I kind of deluded myself into thinking it was just the opposite and that I was actually exactly where I wanted to be. Well, you have to think that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but it's a powerful thing because you really do believe it, or I really did believe it. And it isn't until you kind of get to a spot where something is actually happening that you look back and think like, wow, not only did I trick myself into thinking I was actually doing well when I was actually quite destitute and had no career whatsoever. But all the people around me went along with it. All the people that love me. <laughs> this whole business is fueled by, oh, you mean like your parents? And my your... parents and my wife and, and my friends all protected me from the truth of the matter. Which is, what What do you think that was? The truth? Yeah. Was that I I... I was nowhere and and i could easily stop and no one would care and it might be a good idea so they had they believed in you i i guess that's what that is and and you uh you see yourself as just delusional as opposed to maybe just believing in yourself oh man i don't know i'm sorry buddy no no no, no. maybe that's true though. no you have to i mean i've talked about that before you have there there is a a large 
amount of delusion that is necessary to pursue a career in this yeah whether it's acting or comedy yeah, yeah i mean yeah. because on paper and in everyone else's minds most people's they're like that's fucking ridiculous yeah and even when you do make it, I've talked to people whose parents are sort of like, you sure you don't want to get a job that has a little more security? Right. <laughs> I mean, you could, oh, you could be on TV show for a year. Oh. And like, it's still, they're just worried. Yeah. But I think the fact that you found some success fairly early on, whether you liked it or not, you know, it, it, it's enough to keep moving forward because a lot of people don't get that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess success is a relative thing because I, I guess, you know, I, if I got a guest spot on Boy Meets World to in the eyes of, my family in Santa Cruz, that was success. But Absolutely. down here, it was like, okay, but what yeah, else happens then, then I don't work for six months, and I'm just like we, sitting in a dark apartment, you know? Yeah, well, you're sort of in a unique position that, you know, you're a good actor, and, you know, it's, it doesn't happen that often that, uh, you know, people find, uh, you know, you seem to be part of what you're doing up there. You have a, a thing. You have an Adam Scott thing, right. and I think it took comedy to sort of reveal that. I guess so. Because I, I guess so. in that in that HBO thing, I mean, you were great in that, and I remember you right. because it was like it was a painful fucking bit of business. Yeah. So you definitely had chops. Yeah. But, but this other groove is good. It wasn't it wasn't that much fun. <laughs> <laughs> to to play a guy whose marriage is falling apart cuz they can't have a baby. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like fun, but it wasn't <laughs> it, it wasn't that much. I mean, it was fun working with my friend Sonia, we became friends, but um, the show was, you know, it was, it was kind of, a, you know, it's depressing, but it, I well, think it's good. I think it's good that it's there. I, I'm proud of it, but in a sense, I am glad it went away because the day Step Brothers came out, that show got canceled on the same day, and then like two months later, uh, Party da- Party Down came along, and and I just kind of like went off in this direction and at the time I was like I don't know what I'm doing I don't know but um I'm so happy that it happened that way because I found something that actually means a tremendous amount to me to to, to myself you know and, and you got fun friends now yeah well it's, it's sort of interesting to me that like because like as an actor I would think that to pull off something that has such a uh, a, a sort of heavy emotional d- dimension would be like you know I did it but I don't ever really think about the fact that you got to live in that. Right. And that, you know, that's the set you're going on to. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I guess it was that. I guess it was. Um, it had an effect on you personally uh, or emotionally where you're like, man. Yeah. You got to live with that guy. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was just, yeah, all the material was so heavy. It was all like, uh <laughs> you know you had a miscarriage yeah like i had to think about like oh man i gotta cry about a miscarriage today I'm like, yeah oh, you know i'm driving to work it's just like, <laughs> fucking jesus and we had like a fake dick that i had this like strap on and really yeah because yeah. why um in the um in the pilot i i have a she gives me a hand job and and then it and it um it uh squirts uh hair conditioner out right to the um and the the big thing was we're gonna show the whole hand job and right. show and so i had to like put this ridiculous prosthetic on <laughs> yeah, in it and there was a uh a, a how did i miss this episode a, a, um 
You had a squirter in the back. Yeah, you a, had guy, a, a, guy, a guy behind the couch with a pump. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and what was the point of that? That was just a hand job, or were you trying to get? Uh, was it for a donate, a semen donation, or was it, it was? It was no. She's. It, it's interesting. It's an interesting show, and it's a good show, and it's interesting because she does it. She jerks me off, and then she takes the cum, yeah. and puts it in her fingers, and like starts examining it, and like. Like it's all sticky and yeah, she, like because she's like, where the why can't I get a fucking baby? And she's just like staring, staring at the cum in her fingers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's and, a guy behind you at a pump trying not to laugh. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it was it was difficult not to. I think we we laughed quite a, a few times because it was just ridiculous. But but that uh, was a scene. It was heavy. It was, yeah, it was heavy it, duty. So that that's about as fun as it got. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny because, like, you know, for you to explain that situation in another context, it's fucking hilarious. Right. But in the context that it was actually the illusion that was being built was quite painful. It was incredibly dark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you had done that with uh, with uh, uh, Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell. <laughs> jacking me off, <laughs> it would have been hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So that, well, I, I've never really talked to anybody about that, about the fact that, you know, the comedy community is a good time. And that when, you know, because it's so small here and that there are all these guys that are sort of interwoven in all these different projects that I, I never really looked at it that way, that you can go do your show after a day of shooting. And if you want to stop by and jump on Doug's show and talk about movies for a few minutes, it's, you'd be more than happy to have you. It's great. Come by here. It's great. It's um, a fucking good time. And then I think about like growing up. Um, as a little kid, I was into Steve Martin and Monty Python and stuff. Yeah. I wasn't into, I mean, I got into like Scorsese and stuff as like a sure. teenager, but the stuff that really like had the profound effect on me was all that, all the comedy in the, in the, uh, early, mid and late eighties, you know, mm -hmm. that's what I was into. So, um, I'm so glad yeah. we're having, we got lozenges going. Uh, I, yeah, I, love I saw you pop there. another one. Yeah. I just going, I'm was going. Is that there. original flavor? Yeah. I can't. I don't know about that flavor. We eat the. What do you eat the cherry one? No, mint. Oh, oh, maybe I have those like in my car, but I I prefer the mint. You know what? I usually buy the mint. You know, I don't. Oh, yeah. I, I got this box. I usually get them at Costco. You go to Costco? No, they're like really cheap there, oh, and really? they come in like uh, you can get the tubes like eight yeah. containers in one bag oh. for like 120 bucks. Oh, I that's think a, that's, that's a good. That's is that a good, a good deal? Because it's usually three fifty for three. Yeah. Which yeah. is a fucking ripoff, man. No, you got to go to Costco. How dude. many do you eat a day? I don't know. I don't want to get into it. I eat. Let's get into it. Okay. I eat. I I I would say I eat. Um, one an hour. Yeah. No, I'm in it. There's definitely you need to go to Costco, dude. Okay. To I mean, it costs fifty dollars a year to join it, but I literally only belong to Costco for nicotine lozenges and Mexican Coke for my girlfriend. Oh, Mexican Coke is good. Yeah, they have that there now. I like Mexican Diet Coke. You do? Yeah, because they use they don't. Are use, you serious? Yeah, uh, they use yeah. pure cane fake sweetener. They they don't they don't use <laughs> they use they, the old school saccharin. What they they use? Yeah, they use the the stuff that gives you cancer. Sure. Yeah. They use um they don't use NutraSweet. They use some other weird fruit based product and it tastes way better really yeah i i, I didn't even know there was mexican diet coke. it's called coke light okay yeah and it's better well i mean all right, you know, all right. whatever it, i mean it's better than you know the other shitty thing you, you i think do. okay one more question about we were both you know admitted caffeine and horrendous nicotine addicts i eat about that many too i, yeah, eat, okay. I eat a lot um, and I need to go to Costco because I bought these. When they come like this, I didn't even know they were going to come like this. Yeah, I, I got packet. duped into buying one of those, uh, a package that when they They're came. a little more practical because yeah. you can travel with them better. Yeah. 
Because when you have the tube, do you end up with like five or six loose ones in your pocket? Yeah, and then they fall out and onto the couch, and then my kids are like, Daddy, what's this? Yeah, candy. Oh, and, I'm sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't have that happen. No. So what are you learning, uh, you know, in working with McKay and in working, you know, on the set of Parks and Rec and also on uh, on Party Down as an actor-actor? I mean, what... What what have you learned about the distinction between comedic acting and acting? I mean, I know it's easy to say we well, just play everything straight or whatever, but are there you know, any tools that you use as an actor now where, where you know you're being funny or are you not aware of that or what? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I think that... Uh, Do you play it differently? I try not to. Yeah. Um, I remember I had an audition once for Scooby-Doo 2, um, Monsters Unleashed. You probably know it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was a humiliating thing because it was supposed to be super, it was supposed to be a really funny um, audition. It's the one, you know how they always tape you at, an, at yeah. auditions? And it's the one tape that I hope never gets out there because it was so embarrassing. Um, where I was like trying to be funny and I started like, I wore like funny clothes and, and started making fa- like, it was terrible. I, I don't know when this was probably like 1999 or something. Um, I was just so desperate for a job and I wanted this movie so bad. Um, and I remember, uh, trying to be super funny and there was, you know, there's nothing funny about it. It was just tragic. Yeah. Whatever it was I did. Yeah. Like making weird voices and stuff. It was awful. So, um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess my approach is pretty much the same. I mean, you know, people always say that, and, it, and it's somewhat true, but it has to be a little different if well, you're because, trying to, like, hit a joke, you well, know? Well, one thing I noticed, in, you know, in watching you on Party Down is that it seems to me that when the character is, is you know, um, full enough, like, I mean, that was a real character. I mean, you, right. you obviously connected with that thing, and right. you knew where that guy was coming from. Right. That it seemed like a lot of the comedy that you were able to generate was actually through not talking. Mm. Through having a reaction to somebody saying something ridiculous, or, right. or there there were moments where you know you seem to be very aware when someone you're talking to is doing something broadly, you know, right. letting something sit for a second. Right, 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 right. Are you aware of that? No, <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> because yeah, I mean, a lot of what you do that there there's a stilted kind of comedy timing you have just by reacting. Okay, and you don't really know that. Um, I. I, I don't I, want to see. Now I'm going to make you self conscious about your gums and your performance. <laughs> um, no, I guess I am aware. I'm probably. Uh, I'm also relieved that it's not me. Like you know, in Party Down, you know, Martin Starr, Ken Marino, or any anyone or anyone on that show or on Parks. Like all those people are are so funny. And when I'm in scenes with them, a lot of times I'm just glad it's not me having to do the. <laughs> heavy lifting because i don't think i would do it as well and i'm and i'm serious that you know when i'm watching amy or aziz or any of those people do this stuff you know um i think i i think i have the easy job but but i mean maybe that's what you're bringing to the role is that you're sitting here thinking like you know like i'm just gonna let him do that (laughs) (laughs) like you you have a moment where you're like that was really funny i should give it a beat (laughs) right right i'll I'll let people laugh (laughs) and then i'll continue on (laughs) maybe maybe that's what's happening on an unconscious level maybe that's what i'm doing i'm there's a there's a mixture between like oh it's so fucking funny i'm glad i don't have to be funny and uh back to it here i go (laughs) 
<laughs> well, well, we'll leave it at that, man. Yeah. I'm glad you came over. It was great yeah, talking to you. Thanks, man. Thanks do for you, having me. Do you want to? Do you grind your own coffee at home? Uh, no. No. Why? You have beans? Yeah. I can grind my. I have the the ability to grind coffee. Yeah, I have. Uh, I have my beans, and I and I'll give you. A Is coffee. it just coffee? Yeah. Dot co-op. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take some of those. Thanks, Adam Scott. Thank you. That was nice. That was a good talk. That was Adam Scott, talented guy, funny guy, surprisingly funny guy, in the sense that he was surprised by uh, being funny. That he's uh, this is the route. This is where he's ended up. I love that when people start on one path and then they're all of a sudden had this secret gift, the secret gift of humor. All right, go to wtfpod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Kick in a few shekels, pick up some justcoffee.coop. A lot of new merch. Got the uh, the big tote bags with the swag pack. CDs, buttons, new posters coming. Uh, please, if you're in Seattle, please come to the Seattle show at the Neptune Theater. That's uh, November 25th. Tickets still available. I'll be bringing stuff there, too, if you want to do your Christmas shopping. The CD is available. Mm. Mm. This has to be funny. That's the name of it. Very proud of that CD. Pick it up on iTunes, or you can get it on the site as well. Uh, I Look, you know, sometimes I'm in a weird head. This is one of those times. I really appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you later. It'll be all right. It's going to be all right. I swear. <laughs> <laughs>